Hey everyone, Jay here. I'd like to take a moment just to thank the absolutely amazing Mad C for helping us to create the piece of artwork which is attached to this episode and included as a feature image on the website. If you aren't looking at your podcatcher, then you should totally be looking at your podcatcher because that has a preview of it. And if you want to see the full version of the art, you should click through to the show notes and check out the full image that will be displaying in the browser because it is amazing. If you're at all interested in working with Madsy on some work, we've got some links in the show notes to their Twitter, their Instagram, and their Facebook page. Um, I would definitely, definitely recommend getting in touch with them because they are absolutely amazing. Somewhere in here, I think, not, not much longer. Remember the artifact we're going for. Do you remember what it is? <sighs> I mean, I still don't think it's an artifact. It is, I'm telling you. A Game Boy printer is not an artifact. You're making me feel old here. Do you have one? No, but... It's an artifact, come on. Damn it. Look, Rick, we were sent here by the British Library and the British Museum to find one because nobody can find them anymore, right? And so we've got to, we've got to find this Game Boy printer. It's in this cavern somewhere. Those things belong in a warehouse somewhere. And according to the locals, it's got reams of paper with it, so we need to find it. I'm surprised they weren't using the paper for other things. Everyone else has stopped piling it. Anyway, right, right. Enough of that, right? There's a keypad over here. Let's have a look. We've just got to be careful. Watch out for traps. Mm. I can't hide this. Well, it was your idea. Why did you want to come in the first place? Hands. Look at them. I can't um, hack it, literally. The polygons. I forgot about right. that. Yeah. Right, so can someone have a look, please? Go take a look. Right, let's have a look. So we, it's, 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 yeah. Hexagons? Oh, wait, it's a Unix system. I know this. Oh, of course you'd know the Unix system, honestly. It's going to take a while. It says, ha, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Oh, well, let's go in and type in type it thing in there. Aha! Done it! No. That sounds familiar somehow. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't done squat, right? Let's have a look at this door. Can you not it's... hear that rumbling? No, no, wait, it's a screen door. Hell with this. Well, that was easy to break into. Oh. Uh, B? Yeah, that's not a good sign. Grab the printer. I'm trying. Wait, wait, it's wait, in the backpack. Wait, wait. Why does this... Why does this boulder... Have a loading screen. Good point. No, no, just run, just run! Ah! Oh god, Welcome to another episode of the Waffling Tailors. I am your host, Survivor Laura Croft, and joining us this week is Keely Hawes. Laura Croft, say hello. Hello, that's me. I'm B, but also this week known as Keely Hawes, Laura Croft. And joining us from a cavern somewhere in Bristol is um, Triangle Thighs Lara Croft. I have got some epic thighs, guys. Seriously. And Absolutely. I've got no fingers. They'll have your eyes out. What? They really will. <laughs> yeah, these these thighs are made for walking. 
Kind of. I don't get it either. Just go with it. Now that that joke <laughs> fell flat... Um... <laughs> that, that joke fell flatter than the uh, polygons on Lara's thighs. <laughs> now that that joke fell flat... Um... <laughs> What we will say is we're going to be talking about the Tomb Raider games. Um, and I've wanted to talk about the Tomb Raider games for ages, not just because they are fun to play. Um, anyone who's seen me attempting to stream uh, Tomb Raider Anniversary, although that's gone on hiatus for now, but we will get back to it. We'll know that I've been having loads of fun doing that. I do like the Tomb Raider. I've, I've only really played the PS1 games and Anniversary. So I'm hoping that, that both Squidge and the Bee can sort of um, fill me in on what I've missed. I have seen the films as well, but we won't talk about those just yet. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Lara Croft Tomb Raider because it's the 25th anniversary this year, right? Mm. 2021 is 25 years. Just think about that. Don't make me face my own mortality again. <laughs> 25 years since the first Tomb Raider game came out. And I still haven't got out of the cave. I walked into the, uh, <laughs> the world took you there, and you've yeah. now made your own. That's where you live now. You've made your own society. I live in, <laughs> in the tomb. You're in the caves. Of, uh, tomb life. Yeah. Why is it, I can't, I'm trying to remember what the what the uh, what country it is Tibet? Is it Tibet? The first one, isn't it? Yeah. Nepal. It might be Nepal, it's actually. It's one of those two. Uh, <laughs> probably apologies right. to all of our listeners in both Tibet and Nepal and everywhere else. Um, I feel like it's one of the... That's yeah, off yeah, New Mexico. No, 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 that's the intro. The intro happens in New Mexico for the first one because that's he's quite literally showing the atomic bomb explosions. But yes, 19, to, Tomb Raider 1996 was when the Tomb Raider series started. So 25 Ooh. years of Lara Croft and uh, her adventures um, of Tomb Raider Ring. To Raidery Ring. To Raidery Ring. Words are hard. Words are hard. And... Is, is that like is that like a, a, an extra on Skyrim? Tomb Raider Ring. <laughs> Tomb Raider Raider Ring. Twenty five to exploration. <laughs> I am not touching that joke with a gut with a, with a barge pole. You if your Tomb Raider Ring persists for more than twenty five years, consult a doctor. <laughs> I'll also point out that Lara Croft in those twenty five years seems to be getting younger. Like, what's that all about? I mean, technically. Technically, she is really good, but fit. mainly because that the timeline is supposed to be that the newest games are set before Tomb Raider 1997. That's what two reboots on Tomb Exactly, and then the timelines are all mixed up. But they're currently trying to, um, what's the word, realign the timeline somehow. So it'll be interesting how that works out. Read anyway, Doc Brown and uh, Doc Two to that. I <laughs> wanted to be a reboot, but then I got an error to the knee. I thought you weren't going to touch Skyrim jokes. Is, is that meme still valid in 2021? Probably not. I mean, is anything we do valid in 2021? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So okay. let's go around the table then, and um, let's say what our first Tomb Raider game we played was. Do you want to start, Jamie? Oh, it was definitely Tomb Raider on the PS1, the very first one. I have more vivid memories of the intro to Tomb Raider 2, but I think that's more because I love to put in the cheat that would make Lara explode. And I discovered that <laughs> in the first area of Tomb Raider 2, but it's definitely the first one. Um, that is that is the one that I go back to, the one that I play the most. Um, and like I said earlier on in this sort of intro-y thing, um, I've only ever played the, the three or four for the, for the original PS1 and then skipped over everything, thankfully skipping over Angel of Darkness, but we'll come to that later, um, skipping over everything until Anniversary, which came out after Tomb Raider Foot, um, before Tomb Raider Underwater, 
Yeah, where does your foot go, babe? It's on the end of your leg. Oh, legend. I get it. <laughs> very, very clever. Very clever. That's that's very yeah. smart. I'm tapping my forehead for the listeners. Very smart. Yeah, that's, that's totally a new joke. No one's ever I, made that. I resisted the point of face palm. <laughs> Plus, he already told me earlier in the day that joke. So, yeah. And Tomb Raider underwater, because... Tomb Raider Underworld, you spend a huge amount of time underwater. So. Underwater. I was I was disappointed you're not running away from uh, werewolves in that game, but and sexy, sexy Kate Beckinsale. That's a <laughs> reference. That's a reference that only people who watch the Eurogamer Let's Plays, um, Dark Souls Let's Plays will will actually get. I think <laughs> this is a very small subset of the audience. Uh, we'll I, I might add that what he just said is now my new ringtone on my phone. <laughs> yeah, before he's even edited the episode, folks. Before it even, before we even hit stop on the recording, it's already his uh, his ringtone. I have my ways. That's right, Squidge. Right then, Squidgey. So, what was your first Tomb Raider experience? Technically, it was Tomb Raider on the Saturn, yeah. but I've got more memories of the PC version. Cool. To the point where I never had a gamepad, so I've got very fond memories of the speeded up Pentium 1 PC that I had way back in the day with the CRT monitor. Me sat there, not moving for hours and then shivering, with my feet being freezing, having a cover around me, not being able to feel my fingers, trying to jump away from velociraptors in the Lost Valley. So I just want to say, Squidge said speeded up, he means overclocked, because it was 133 mega hertz and it was overclocked to 166 megahertz right mm-hmm. yeah that was my first memory that was the intel pentium processor not pentium 2 not pentium 4 pentium a 586 processor it's all yeah. about the pentiums baby yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah that's that's what i remember and uh, yeah i just have vivid memories of me being sat there like an icicle feeling like it trying to dodge and failing getting away from velociraptors and mm. to a point where I looked down at my fingers just to make sure they were still there because I couldn't feel them and I was playing it all day then I got off it crawled into bed fell asleep next day I was normal temperature and I played the damn thing again and repeated the process <laughs> <laughs> mm. so uh funnily enough my own Tomb Raider history um it's weird that I definitely played the PlayStation uh, ones, the original PlayStation, but not like all the way through. Like I'd never fully finished one for a long time, and I would played at friends' houses, but never actually um, owned the originals for a long time. Um, and my first one I actually fully played through to completion was Tomb Raider Legend. So, relatively speaking, um, and uh, I say I came quite late to the franchise, but like not in a way that I mean that I didn't touch it at all before then um i was very much into that but just it was one of those things where those games that you never quite end up owning for whatever reason obviously getting your own games and when you're a kid it's the pre-internet days pretty much for most of us um yeah. it was that sort of thing of of you'd be word of mouth and stuff and there wasn't really many opportunities to for me to play the original original ones at the time um, i obviously went back and, and played all the original playstation ones eventually but yeah, the my first one, Tomb Raider Legend, was like yeah, this weird sort of um, mid-gen 
thing because it came just on, as the consoles were transitioning from the PS2 era to the Xbox 360. Mm. And I, I just I, I immediately loved it because it was this fluid, sort of smooth um, adventure experience. And a, a lot of people say that it was like... Um, What's the word that, that it was kind of the potent for, for for things like Uncharted later on, and it was of course and that. Mm. But they think that it, it had its own it had its own mystique about it, and and was like a really fun, fluid. And I mainly remember like how impressed I was at the, the sort of, um, what was it called? Like the next gen patch when it when it went at the time. Technical issues aside. Was um, how how good it looked um, just as as an adventure game uh, and, and and the story it told and yeah and ever since then I've been Tomb Raider fan ever since pretty much for the whole series. I've um, I've always had a thing where Tomb Raider was the very first game I experienced where I was constantly at war with the camera. Mm. Um, it was my first foray into like three D gaming. It's always been like retro consoles and side scrolling and you know beat em ups and racing and stuff but it's always been that was my first experience of being in absolute mortal combat with um <laughs> with the camera system it's yeah. always been an absolute nightmare you know but it's it's one of those where it's it's kind of those you never forget when you play something as revolutionary as Tomb Raider for the first time it's it's one of those where you always remember the first time you you play it you know, yeah, yeah. you always remember where he was and um, where he was and what you were doing if you were at a friend's house. Like I was the first time I saw it. I was at I was in primary school and a friend of mine he got it for his birthday and he didn't know the controls and we were all it was like six of us were all piled around and he had the, he had the original PS one pad with no dual shock. We were trying to figure it out. One person had the book out and we would just go, try this, try that. Never experienced controls like that at all. And we eventually got round to how to control it. Didn't know how to get the uh, guns out. And my friend died to the two bats at the beginning of the game. Uh, <laughs> so that's always memorable for me. Like, hey, that's, two, that's the first thing you encounter in the first game, isn't it? No, uh, the there's two, two wolves and then yes. the bats. Yeah. Ah, okay. Because you've got the wolf okay. that takes out the sharper at the sharper, sharper. I don't mm. know how to say that word. Um, at the start of the game. And then. But, yeah, he, he died to the bats. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know anything. And then it took like once he got really annoyed, looked at the guy with the book, and then he went, "Ah, right. So this button gets your weapons out. Ah, right." And then there was push the wrong button, flipping and jumping all over. The place. It was <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare, but it was a funny one because I was the one in the group that was egging him off, <laughs> making him more annoyed. <laughs> well, have you tried this button? That rolls. Yeah, but have you tried this button? But it rolls. <laughs> or does it? Would you shut up? Or does it? You know, I was the one really poking the bear at that one. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. I have to say, the, 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 the early the early Tomb Raider years, we talked recently about um, how sort of the 3D games in the 90s were more sort of, let's try out the 3D and see what we can make. Yeah, definitely that era of the of, of the 3D action platformer where everyone was trying to get on this uh, sort of train because 3D console, 3D gaming, on console was incredibly new um, at the time, and not many uh, companies knew exactly how to do it. Or you know, they, were, they were experimenting. It's that weird sort of nebulous stage when a genre first crops up, where they're seeing what sticks, they're seeing what works and what doesn't, and and trying to establish a baseline for the genre to then meet further on down the line. Yeah, 
chipped yeah, everything at the wall to see what happens. And uh, what happened was they chucked everything at the wall. Lara bounced off it and kicked him in the face. So that's how they got <laughs> their mask up. You know, that's how Lara's died. Unofficial story. Like, I wasn't there, but I like to imagine it was like that. I feel like, though, like with, with the majority of the sort of 3D action platform ones that were happening at the time, it's this and Super Mario 64 seem to have really hit the nail on the head of like what a 3D action platformer should be. Yeah. You, you can you can argue whether Mario is an action platformer or just a platformer, but let's not have that argument. But yeah, Mario is a rage simulator. Yeah. <laughs> only because we all get enraged about the camera. But um, but I but, think they got uh, it right. You know, that's that they. Yeah. As I said, they they managed to set that blueprint hmm. that the other games could follow, and it, it's not an easy task to go from what previously had been side-scrolling was platformer. That that was what we associated as gamers with um, platforming, and um, obviously, it's had. It's not as if uh, obviously it'd be something that the, the the series would have to wrestle with further down the line as it tried to get that balance between the platforming and the puzzling and what makes a Tomb Raider game. And I'm certain that the developers had this struggle all the way through from Core to Crystal Dynamics, uh, first, to t- first trilogy Crystal Dynamics, and then the new Crystal Dynamics, as to what makes a Tomb Raider game. But that very first one had that sort of the, the, the luxury of setting a baseline and again, like you say, with with uh, Super Mario sixty four, they did a good job at, at, at establishing this almost believable world, or this this sort of world of this adventurer do, going through the, these caverns and these traps. And it kind of set them a good. Um, it, it, they had a good story framework around a uh, universe to build around uh, to build these the the, the the platforming, I guess, sections mm. of the world from. Which worked really well in their favour. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, know, totally. I don't I, know if I'm being clear. I'm just saying a gibberish. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I I totally agree, and I think it, it stands to it, it. It sits perfectly well with with the fact that like so. Just jumping in a little bit, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider two, Tomb Raider three, all used the exact same engine. Yeah. All they did was redesign the levels, right? Yeah. And in much in the same way that like Resident Evil seven through to I presume Village is using the RE engine and they just sort of, they, they will be making technological changes to the engine to help them design the stuff. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't developers involved, but once our engine is created, the majority of the developers who sort of work on it will be able to then go and work on other things. And, you know, once you have a stable engine like that, stacking quite literally. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's, it's quite... It's quite funny. Sorry, sorry, sorry to step on you there. Um, it's oh, quite cool. funny how how the Tomb Raider games like we don't think of them that they did because nowadays we associate this yearly release schedule with uh, sports games and that, hmm. and we think, oh, you shouldn't release a new game within a year. Uh, it's 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 too not enough time to to really establish a game. But to, it, it was though, wasn't it? But exactly, Tomb Raiders released every year and they iterated, and that was that was the point. They they iterated. In every instalment, as you're saying, uh, yeah, about about the uh, same engine, but built on what the previous games had done. Those first five or six um, games in the series that released one year after the other, there was an iteration mm-hmm. of of the formula that they had um, started with as one to make that action platformer uh, and make the Tomb Raider games what they what we think of as Tomb Raider and and, and 
coalesce as a as the idea of Tomb Raider and how that manifested in the series from those first five games. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it just seems to be every game added either a new mechanic. So Tomb Raider yeah. three, you had sprint. Each game added a vast array of different weaponry compared to the first one. You had four weapons and you had to find them. It wasn't yeah. just given them at certain points on cutscenes, you know, and then the the puzzles and how you got solutions to stuff got more elaborate. Elaborate rage inducing and uh, thanks Crystal Dynamics for that. Which you get. to say, Red, there is a certain sound effect that can play that will turn any one of our vintage of video game players into rage machines. And that is this one. No. 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 Um, yeah, it's just... I mean, to a point where I remember playing... I can't remember which one it was. It was a PS1 title. And there was a, a level boss and it was a four-armed statue, golden statue, and you had to fight it, right? I want to say two, but it might have been... Well, it was one of them, right? Yeah. I remember I couldn't get by that for love and money. I just couldn't do it. I can one... state that the first five were core design and not crystal dynamics. Though. All right, core design. I'll, I'll say it again. Thanks, core design. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was... I couldn't do it for love and money. One night I got drunk. <laughs> loaded it up the next day and not only did I get past that fight I did two levels which to this day I still don't know how I did and I don't know what they are I don't even remember which version of Tomb Raider it was but I got drunk and I managed to beat the boss and prepare the two levels well I couldn't remember it so I don't know how I did that that's probably my power that's how I do Tomb Raider games that's, that's how I do that's the it that's, get drunk that's exactly how you do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I mean, to be fair, this, this that <laughs> I think I think everyone early in the days had to sort of put up with that kind of thing. I remember there was a there's a wonderful line in uh, in space where where one of the characters says, "Yeah, I heard Tim last night screaming and shouting. He said stupid cow, something about a key. No, no, no that's Lara Croft. Funny, sounded like Tim." <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the kind of rage-inducing. Um, I guess horror. The 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 early they they were fun to play, but there was there was a lot of stuff where it was like, oh, um, uh, why doesn't this work? That's a door. I have a key. It's like, well, it's not the right door and it's not the right key. Get over yourself. But this there was no seventh time I've tried this jump. Why are you not gripping? <laughs> but it's funny because like it, you know, Terminator kind of set that language, for want of a better phrase, of mm-hmm. what we then expected going forward from a action platform, a, a puzzle platform, especially in terms of puzzles and, yeah, that sort of logic that we just now take for granted when we launch a game that is in that same genre, how how we think of uh, an action-adventure. And, um, you know, like I say, as I say, it would continue to have that wrestle uh, between your puzzling, your platforming, and your combat for the series to, to going forward, but that, that establishing that language was the important part of making sure that that franchise stayed as with the longevity that it, it ends up having, and it, it could only do that because of the success of those initial five games. 
you know that that's and we're slightly moving uh, off off that um, train of thought for a second into how those five games established Lara as a star that went over just games. She became literally a pop culture icon. Yeah, and that Very was successful. exactly we saw movies. Uh, she had a fashion line. She had uh, you know endorsements from Lucas endorsements. Yeah, Lucas TV like. Lara Croft wasn't just a game character. There had been game characters before. There had not been game characters who had the cultural impact that Lara Croft had. Similar to um, in Japan, Blaze from Streets of Rage. There's a lot of stuff in Japan to do with with that particular character that didn't stop at the game of Streets of Rage. You know that that Blaze especially was was one of those. Icons, you know, not so much over here. It was just the games, but in Japan, it was from what I've read, quite big at the time. I think, like by by the two thousand, let's say the the Lara Croft was known by people who went who'd never played a game in their life. Thanks yeah. to the films and, as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I mean. By that point, the films had been out and everything. So yeah, it's just it's you you really can't understate the cultural uh, the cultural significance that Lara Croft had and part of it was because of these five games and a big part of it was uh, the creation of the character herself um, and how she was like more than just an avatar for the player if that makes sense yeah. like she was she, they, they made this fully rounded character and they made the story that okay let's you know the story is not exactly Gonna be well. I said because the story is remembered, so I can't say that the story is not gonna be remembered. It's not, you know, it's the story, um, is what it was, but it still manages to like resonate in such a way with the cultural zeitgeist of the time, um, and carried on a wave of movement which happened, you know, it came at the exact right time, a height of um, girl power and all that stuff, and really did well in terms of establishing a bona fide superstar outside of mm. games. You know, people knew Lara Croft and that was all stemmed from these five games. Like, like I said, they were, they were brilliant and then set a tone for the action-adventure genre and mm. going forward. I think, though, um, it's. I feel like it's difficult to talk about the, uh, the how important Lara Croft as a popular pop culture icon is without ending up talking about the elephant in the room. Now, we've already talked about how setting up Lara Croft as this sort of fitting with the girl power movement, the that, that kind of thing that was going on, like we need a, a well-rounded 3D, but not in like a 3D model, but 3D, three-dimensional person, a character we can get behind who is a strong female character, right? But also, you know, I feel like Idos kind of hooked into um, the for want of a better phrase, sex appeal of the character. As far as I'm aware, Lara Croft was the first character to be considered as a sex icon um, that was a 3D game character, which is, it's. I feel like it was a, it worked out really well for IDOS and core design, but I feel like it was perhaps a misstep because obviously that set some, a lot of uh, uh, beauty standards <laughs> and a lot of issues <laughs> in the 90s. And, and, there was this kind of weird dichotomy with Lara Croft in that she's this strong female leading character. I mean, the gender of the character never came into it. Yeah, all right, there were a few scenes in some of the games where it was like, oh, I'm a woman, 
and or rather oh you're a woman and i'm going to try and take advantage of you because i'm mm. a big man but then obviously lara would then turn around and flip the situation on its head proving that she was indeed a strong character because you needed to be a strong character in that sort of environment there was definitely a lot of like um, back and forth in terms of between Tony Gard, the creator of uh, of Lara, and mm. Idos, the publishers, in terms of how they marketed Lara, and mm-hmm. he didn't agree with, uh, famously uh, didn't agree with with uh, the sexualization, let's say, of Lara in a lot of the publicity. So there was definitely like, uh, I want to say teething troubles. It feels a bit of a weird phrase to use, but like the sort of teething troubles in in establishing that character as like I say, like I say, someone who was a strong, independent woman, and then not like I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Like not um, not denying her sexuality at all, but then not doing it in such a sleazy way, and not making mm. it part of a making it the be all and end all of a character either. Because yeah. she's just you know a very capable, and she was a, a massive role model to so many women yeah. coming into the industry and not just the games industry, but just as a whole. She's this um, iconic figure for a lot of people and a hero to many, many others. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, again, the cultural zeitgeist of, of her popularity and how she exploded into the mainstream, um, it, it, it's just this amazing thing that I don't think we've seen since, and I don't know if we will ever see again, because like I said, the timing of it was mm-hmm. kind of that, just at that moment when games were becoming mainstream and again, you know, the timing of both girl power games becoming mainstream um, and all the ingredients were in the right place at the right time. And she's endured for so long, precisely of, of precisely um, from this absolutely incredible springboard. And fortunately, I say fortunate series of events. I don't want to try and imply that her, um, that it was coincidence at all because it was a, a work from a lot of people in different directions and obviously a like lot say, of planning went into it. Well, mm. not just the planning, like in terms of the games themselves and how they uh, how they were and how they were received and how they were made, but also, like I say, you know, this sort of push between Adeos and Toby Gard, and Toby Gard ended up leaving because of it, but then also the character was then embraced by the fans and you know they kind of helped steer the direction of Lara herself mm-hmm. in terms of how she was then portrayed and then going forward and and you know obviously there's some some examples that aren't so great but for the most part in the direction that she is now and and, and yeah. how, how how the studios and how when she moved from co-design to Crystal Dynamics, how Crystal Dynamics then took her in this direction, and that this, and then for the first trilogy, and then the Survivor trilogy later on as well, and, and how she's now in this twenty-five year celebration of such an enduring character. Mm. Know, sort of. uh, I think that's kind of the key is that the, the sort of fans and popular culture kind of stepped in and went, "Hey, what you're doing is kind of sleazy," and you know, you were saying there about the the main designer behind the game kind of went, no, this is too much of me. I'm leaving because I, I wasn't here to create a sex icon. I was here to create a game with a character who is kind of believable and I want to make something that's fun to play, you know? And I think that, yes, in the beginning, I'm sorry to sort of harp on this one point, but uh-huh. I feel like we can't discuss Lara Croft and Tomb Raider without at least covering it a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
I think that um, for for what of the better phrase, I think that Tomb Raider, Lara Croft, yeah, sorry, I think that uh, Lara Croft was kind of a test run to see whether a game character could be sexualized and where the, the line could be drawn. And I think that um, the response from the populace around the planet, the fans, everyone um, from the media was in the right place. I think that, um, you know, I, I always remember watching uh, news reports of people saying, this is wrong. She, 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 you know, the way that they're marketing her is setting all these horrible um, ideas into people's heads and setting these unrealistic standards. And I, I, I applaud those people for saying that because if they hadn't have said that, where would it have gone, you know? Mm. And I'm kind of glad that the, that the, the uh, publishers and the advertisers kind of stepped back from that and went, oh, yeah, I think you're right. Like you said, there, be it's gone all sleazy. How can we fix this? How can we make this better? Uh, I'm glad that they did that because I, I hate to be in a world where they didn't do that. I think it marked a sea change in society as well. I mean, that's yeah. again, we could go for hours on like and show mm-hmm. actual experts in who could talk about oh. that for ages about the the, the socio so, political side of things and how you know we're now in this movement where with this moment in 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 the world and society where women have the the power and everything and like we are i mean obviously still hell of a lot of fucking work to go excuse my language still a hell of a long way to go Do you and know what still, i think i think that was that was warranted um i think yeah. we can leave that one in because mm-hmm. i think that's warranted yeah and yeah like you said there be we are not experts on this we are just people with opinions about a video game and we don't want to claim that we are experts. We're just saying, hey, this is a thing that happened. And I think I can speak for all three of us in saying that the response was justified and correct. And that the way that um, the publishers and the advertisers were using Lara Croft as a character was wrong. And I think we can all agree on that. I think there isn't a person on the planet who can disagree with that. It, it was a very 90s thing to do. Exactly. With, like um, with game publishers, essentially... You know, we've got this character, it's a real massive success, let's make a sequel. And then for the producers just to kick down the door and go, right, let's make a sexy. It's just wrong. <laughs> but it's a very 90s thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, a, a, lot of, a lot of things in the 90s did she, she has in, that. Yeah. She's endured this. And it's, like I said, it's things like she's endured those 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like she's gone through that. And now, like I said, we are in a society that is a lot more hopefully a lot more progressive like i said still a hell of a lot more work to do but um that is more progressive than it was back then and she's a huge part of uh arguably a huge part of, of, of that but also like a, a sort of i can't even think of the word but like a figure that you can point to and you can show the pro- sort of the progression of the world and how it views women and stuff mm-hmm. and if you're looking at how Lara's been treated over the years and how she is now as this yeah. amazing, cool character. Yeah, I mean, um, sorry, go on. I mean, if you think about it, right, just the, the testament to the actual character and the the writing by a couple of, by a couple of games, but the writing and the, the character development, what pop culture icon that came from video games has endured two full reboots? Mm. Yeah. Over, exactly. over 25 years. No yeah. other character has done that to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, the, I was gonna say the only vague plus um, thing you can really say is uh, is Zelda is the only one I can really think of where each one of those is kind of a separate universe, isn't it? Yeah. But that's, it's it, yeah, they definitely um, 
Lara's the what is it the the gold star poster child yeah the poster <laughs> child for yeah. for um, one of a better phrase she's a true survivor yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah ironically no 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 I was going to say that I'm, I'm, I'm slightly conscious I was driving the conversation here. Go for it. Shall we move on to our favourite Tomb Raider game? Yeah, why not? Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, i tell you what. I'll take the driving seat on this one, B, and you go first. Favourite Tomb Raider game? So my favourite Tomb Raider, I mean, ironically, it's the one I started with is Tomb Raider Legend. I felt that it had, I mean, don't get me wrong in that I felt that uh, you know, I, I appreciated the earlier ones and the later ones, I appreciate that. But it had that sort of perfect blend of getting people in um, invested. And it's, it's not like Lara needed a star-studded cast to kind of... Uh, I say star-studded because like Keely Hills wasn't that big at the time either, but it it, it, it was that sort of mainstream um, appeal, especially, it was like I say, how, how it was a lot more fluid than the previous ones where previous Tomb Raiders had been on this sort of grid-based system. And this felt like a more naturalistic uh, way of controlling Lara. And... Uh, moving through the game and it was a, a, a there was a, arguably the start of when there was a lot more combat in a Tomb Raider game not as much as they are in the current Survivor trilogy but mm. uh, just the, 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 the there was a, a little bit more the puzzles were cool it had a really good like sense of style yeah. and it was a game that was just like really fun to play uh, from start to finish you know, it was it was a, a very much a a Hollywood blockbuster of not that the Previous two Raider games went anyway, but this felt like the sort of codification of L- Lara is here now, and this is this is a two Raider game, and yeah, it was different from the. the I mean, again, it's weird because I don't want to really be too down on the on the PlayStation ones because I love them just the same, but the um, the, the 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 sort of the Hollywood blockbuster version of the character in terms of how everything kind of came together. And the, that whole trilogy—that was my favorite trilogy. Was that uh, was those first Crystal Dynamic ones because they just had that sort of, like I say, poppy sense of 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 um, cool and and everything fit together really well. And it was a good fun time adventure for getting for one of them. It seemed to be, just like for my money, it seemed to be especially like the first reboot and stuff, they seem to add more of a cinematic feel to it. Exactly. Not, not yeah. like just yeah. storytelling, here's a puzzle, do this. It's got more of a cinematic, it flows better. It was definitely the the yeah, the, the, the more thing of of like, here's a cool story game with this really cool character. Um enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it did feel like a Hollywood movie. That is a perfect analogy, I think, to, to that. And and I mean, yeah, I don't know if that says anything about me as a person. That that's <laughs> why I enjoyed that the most. But I, I I really yeah, I really did enjoy the whole uh the the legend game, I think the most of especially like there was costume changes, there was variety, you had like a city, you had a, you had um you had city levels, you had nighttime levels, you had classic sort of tomb raiding levels and tomb raider anniversary as well even though it was a remake of the first one was a good a great thing to kind of still keep you 
one foot in the past and then one foot in the future. And that's why I think that's also another reason why I think that that trilogy from Legend to Anniversary was my favourite trilogy because it had a foot in both directions of what Lara Croft and what a Tomb Raider game should be. Just to refresh my memory, B, was was Legend the, the game where if you did all the time trials, you unlock the the beam sword? Was that Legend? Uh, you know, the sword you used at the very end? Yeah. If you did all the time trials, did you unlock that? But there was a, there was a Soul Reaver version, wasn't there? That fired red beams, I think. Um, it's one of the unlocks. Rings of the world. There is a sword on the mm. very last level of Legend that you yeah. fight the final boss. I but I cannot I'm, remember if how you could unlock it at the end. I'm if you pretty did sure it was an unlock, and you had to beat uh, all the time trials, didn't you? There was there was a there was an unlock for all the time trials beaten. I think it was that. There was costumes, I know, for a lot of the gold and silver time trials. Mm. Yeah, I, can't, I, I think the third was a part of it, but I, I can't remember because I know that the third was in like the last few levels. Normally, you you find the sword of Excalibur, basically the sword of Excalibur, and you use that as a as a magical sword for, for your last couple of levels and fight the final yeah. boss. I mean, if you're listening along and you know the answer to Switch is Switch. Please get in touch because I'd like to. <laughs> I don't think I ever played Tomb Raider Legend. I know I watched Squidge and the Bee both playing it, but I don't think I ever played it. So please do get in touch and let us know. <laughs> and I think there's something that you said there, that you both said about um, the Crystal Dynamics trilogy being more of sort of like a Hollywood experience. And I think, for want of a better phrase, that fits in really well with the developers who were behind the original games and the their sort of remix, like. Um, like um, core dynamic, uh, core dynamics, core design. We're obviously based just outside of uh, Oxford, Cambridge, that core area, that Oxbridge area, and they brought a sort of how do I put it, a British sensibility <laughs> to making the game. You know, let's not go too crazy. You know, let's just have it just good enough, just grand enough to get the point across. You then know, we have a team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and then Crystal Dynamics, who based in California, took yep. over and went. Let's make this American. And, and I don't mean I don't mean that to sound nasty in any way, but what I mean is it's it's bigger, it's more Hollywood, it's kind of in places a little bit over the top, but on a grander scale. Than... It's definitely got that cinematic sheen to it, for, mm-hmm. for sure. On yeah. the uh, yeah. when Crystal took over, and they gave it their their own stamp for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's make it Hollywood without the lens flares. Let's do this. That's exactly the it's count. so. Okay, that's great. So, which one's your favourite one? <laughs> uh, Angel of Darkness. I just loved how the limbs uh, levels up. I'm, being, I'm, I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> if if I'm looking at all of them, the only two I haven't played are the Game Boy Color ones. If I'm looking at all of them, the the latest iterations where you see Lara is very vulnerable but determined because she's she's not invincible. She's against the elements. If you look at the the first reboot where it was more of a she had more about her, but she was still vulnerable, you know, but it was more sort of Hollywood-esque. I would still have to say the first one, but on the Saturn, the Saturn version, because um, I played that, and it's mainly because I have never, ever got so enraged and spent so much time battling the camera system in my mind. <laughs> and I've played some bad games that I, with really horrible camera systems. I just, the first game on the Saturn was always the first one I had. It'll always be the first one that I remember playing that I'll have more nostalgia on it. 
because I had, I mean, I never completed it on the Saturn, but the controls were, they were not as good as the PS1, I'll be honest, not as fluid, but I, I just remember that initial uphill battle and how I was so determined at such a young age to try and complete it, getting so stuck, so, so stuck and relying on word of mouth to try and figure out things and running into walls and trying to leap over bears and missing and, and not getting the air pockets right so I was drowning a lot, and, you know. Just just the timing of some jumps and puzzles and stuff is... I'll always remember the Saturn for that, which is amazing considering that it wasn't a, a console that could support 3D games, you know. So yeah. just the fact that it was on there and I had it and the Saturn was my main after the Mega Drive as I was growing up, so everything was on the Saturn for me. Um, so yeah, it was that'll always be my favorite, my best one, and it'll always be something that sticks in my mind. It's gone from strength to strength, but it's you get me a satin pad and you you get me a satin with Tomb Raider. I will sit there all day, and after twenty minutes, you'll hear me raging. But I love every second of it. So I'd like to just for a moment take a moment and and just talk about how much of a technical marvel it was getting things like Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, Tunnel B1, those 3D adventure games onto the Sega Saturn, which was a, a machine that was designed from the ground up just to do 2D, right? It did have the capa- it had kind of the capability to do 3D, but it wasn't, it's like taking a cash machine and making it do uh, 3D furniture. I was going to say differential calculus, but okay. <laughs> Let's say take a cash machine and get it to do 3D printing. It technically can be done, but you will have a terrible time trying to implement it. And I think I just I want to just say props to those teams that brought those games, regardless of whether they sold well or not. You all did an amazing job. And I just, as a developer myself, I can't even imagine the, the countless hours of quite literally bashing your head against the keyboard, pulling your hair out and punching walls that was required to get this um, 3D action adventure game, action puzzle platformer game onto a machine that wasn't even built to do 3D. It must have been like when Sega released Virtual Fighter for the Mega Drive. It's doable, but why would you? you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, at that point, especially what they would have had to have gone through, um what they would have had to have gone through it's you know it is a paid job but at some point it would it would turn into a passion project you're determined to get it done mm-hmm. you have to fix these bugs and these problems and get it sorted and shipped it, it it's it's one of those it starts off as you know it's part of your job but then you're going to develop passion for it because you're so determined not to fail and make it work I mean, I'm not a developer, but I've seen him. I've seen Jay go for it at some problems, and he will he will sit there for hours, and he'll eventually get it. And it just just that look of elation. I mean, even for stuff that he's he's working for other people, you know, it's just that I've done it, I've fixed it, I've sorted it. It's it's less of a job, more of a passion at that point. I need to solve this puzzle, you know. So definite props to the people who ported it to the Sam because it was it, was it originally meant for the Sam. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, it came out for the Saturn, but I think that was just be- my opinion is that it was because it was ported because it did so well on the PlayStation. But uh, uh, no, I think I have to check. I think the Saturn one was supposed to be first, and okay. then I think it was meant to be. I don't know which one. I think it was first. 
Was it? I think it did. Um, bear with me. Let me was it a couple? It was a couple of months. I mean, I that may have that may have only been because um, the Saturn came out first. Like, yeah. You know, Sega famously rushed the Saturn to release it at the same time as the 32X, and then priced it very badly to try and sort of, uh, hey, I know that I know the PlayStation is coming out real soon, but guess what? You could buy the Saturn today. Um, also, there's no games for it, and it costs a ridiculous amount of money, mm. and it's pointless buying it. I could totally see the Saturn version of uh, Tomb Raider coming out first, but I guess only because there must have been a big push to, hey, quick, release something, you know? Yeah, it was um, developed for the Saturn, MS-DOS, personal computers, and PlayStation. Uh, and the Saturn one came out first because um, Sony America uh, originally rejected the concept and asked for more and better content. Mm. Um, which was blamed on, of course, submitting it too early in production. Um, and there was an exclusivity deal. So Sega had timed exclusivity on Tomb Raider releasing in Europe. Uh, so it was on the Saturn, the Saturn version came out six weeks um, before, but also, uh, sorry, was it six weeks or six months? Six months. Uh, yeah, six months ahead. Um, but because of that town exclusivity deal, the Saturn version had to be finished six weeks before they intended. So that's why the Saturn yeah. version is in West State than the yeah. PlayStation version, because they had six weeks at least more development time on the uh, PlayStation version. But if, if anyone knows me, they know that when it comes to graphics, it, I just don't care. I, I love a good game, a good iconic game with story and controls, especially after battle with them. You know, it doesn't matter what console it's for. You know, if, if it's a good game, I, I mean, I still play like Game Boy games. I still play Pokemon Blue on a regular basis. You know, it, it doesn't bother me. If it's an iconic game I can get my teeth into, I'll play it. And graphics do not bother me. They actually started... Sorry, go on. All I was going to say was I agree with you, Screech, because I had this chat with uh, Jason Madsen, who's been on the show before, Play Sushi UK on Twitter, about, um, like, graphics don't matter anymore because every game uses the same engine. Um, You know, people are not going to stick around because the game looks pretty if the game feels like you're handling... like Like you're driving a garage truck with a bag of spanners you know it's, it's people aren't going to stick around because it feel because the controls are clunky but it looks nice as long as the controls are good and the gameplay is good and the, i mean lara croft is a perfect example of this people can still go back to the first game and play it today just pick it up yeah yeah all right the graphics don't look brilliant and yes she does have triangular thighs we're trying you to take <laughs> We're trying to avoid saying the other body parts that are involved when you talk about Lara Croft. But, you know, you, if you can look past that, you have an amazing um, platformy adventure puzzle game that just is still eminently playable today. And I would argue that the the sort of Crystal Dynamics trilogy is still playable today. And I would okay. argue that the Survivor games are still playable today. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, so I was just going to add to the two Raider one thing. And apparently, there was a version in development for the N sixty four originally, but they yeah they never got the N sixty four development kits, so that got cancelled. And, and I can't imagine how that would have controlled. I mean, it'd be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, in nineteen ninety seven, Core Design opened negotiations with Nintendo to release an N sixty four version of the game. Uh, started work on the port. Uh, 
and the oh, Douglas wanted to redesign the uh, game mechanics. Douglas being um, Paul Douglas, Paul Douglas, Paul Douglas, um, who was uh, I say now I've, I've lost a bit. I was reading. <laughs> Paul Douglas wanted to redesign Paul Douglas. for the game, the core gameplay stuff. Yeah, Paul Douglas wanted to redesign the game mechanics to incorporate the analog stick controls hmm. on the uh, N64. Um, but yeah, the team never received the development kit, so the, it was scrapped. And then Sony uh, came in after the Sega deal had uh, expired, and Sony then got the exclusivity for the next few games after that. That's crazy to think that if nin- if Nintendo would have re- responded quickly enough, yeah. Lara Croft Tomb Raider could have been a Nintendo sixty four series. Yeah, yeah, could have could have been Nintendo exclusive. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah. We, we could have had Lara Croft in Smash Brothers. <laughs> Just still, think about that for a second, folks. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time of recording, uh, Lara is currently featuring in Fortnite with Ally from Horizon Zero Dawn. And um, Chun Li from Street Fighter is also a character in there, and Kratos is in there, and Master Chief is in there. So never mind Smash Brothers; you've already got All Stars in um, uh, Fortnite. I mean, fair enough. I don't play Fortnite, so it doesn't really. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you play Fortnite, she's in there along with Ripley from Alien and an Alien <laughs> and all the rest of them. So you know, go to town with that. But yeah, uh, what, what was your favorite uh, two-minute game again? I've got to say, right, as much as I love the original games, it's got to be Anniversary. Um, yeah. Because of that feeling, um, you, you you hinted at earlier on the, the about it makes it sort of grander. I think I used the phrase grander scale. You said Hollywood, but it's it's taking those, like... Um, Grandiose? Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's an area... Let me find my words. What was I trying to say? There's an area uh, in, in the Greece set of levels that is essentially a column that you've got to climb up and down. And I'm not going yeah. to lie, right? when I play that part of the game on Tomb Raider Anniversary, I get sweaty palms because I can feel how tall that area is. right? Not so much on the original PlayStation, and I don't think it's because of the graphics. I just think that it's presented in such a way that it is more grandiose. Yeah, yeah all right, it does have a few QTEs, press X not to die sort of sections, but I think every game that was released around that time because yeah. of Shenmue slash Sweet Home, because Sweet Home was the first game that actually did that, by the way. Um, it wasn't Shenmue. Shenmue was the first game that gave it a name. Um, the QTEs were sort of like a scourge of <laughs> game design at that point. But I think that putting those to one side, I think that Tomb Raider Anniversary really was, let's do the first Tomb Raider game, but on a much grander scale. And fix a lot of stuff yeah all right the game the game engine was a bit buggy you could sort of i think i've seen uh, bexky do it live you can sort of uh, roll into the scenery and end up four thousand feet above the level and just run forward until you hit the end the checkpoint for the end of the game i've seen speedruns backflip out of bounds and then just run to the exit i've seen that yeah. that's quite funny to watch <laughs> but, i mean that that's not a bad mark against the game that's no. just like QA has sort of failed it a little bit, or QA have, have highlighted this, and the devs have gone, 
we got two weeks to fix it. There's no way to fix that. Just ship it. It really doesn't matter because <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Um, and I think that putting those things to one side, it was a perfect um, sort of, it was a perfect reboot, I think. It was a perfect version of that first game. It <clears> took everything that worked really well and made them made those parts better. And it took the things that didn't work so well and just literally jettisoned them. Yeah. And I think that overall, I mean, you, we're talking about perfecting a game that was already perfect, right? So they were taking something that was already really, really well-crafted and really well put together and just making it a little bit better. Yeah. And I think that little bit of extra detail just really helped to sort of bounce it to the next level. Bit fine-tuning, yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's that's not to say that the the second reboot, the Survivor versions of the games, aren't good because they are phenomenal. Oh, my goodness, yeah. They I think, really are. I think with the Survivor ones, though, I think that what makes them that much better is that it takes Lara and makes her more realistic. Yeah, like, makes her more human. Yeah, she's literally put into this life or death situation, and she has to. So it's basically the you know the Tomb Raider Survivor. Um, I wanted to say Survivor series there. That's a completely different thing. But the Survivor yeah. trilogy is very much a case of let's take Lara Croft and put her into a situation that is very very similar to Die Hard. Yes, with me, everything comes back to Die Hard. Shoot the kayak or the buckets. But she's put <laughs> into a situation where it's an impossible decision to make, and either she sinks or swims. And the same thing with could be said for um, John McClane in Die Hard. He's put into a situation which does not make sense, which he cannot do anything about, but he sinks or swims. Yeah. And I genuinely think that that's what makes Lara Croft Tomb Raider, the reboots, the most recent reboots, the Survivor trilogy, just they, they exemplify everything that's right with the Tomb Raider design. They've taken the gameplay mechanics, which were already pretty good in the original games, and then refined by Crystal Dynamics for the for the reboot trilogy. And then they've gone, well, the gameplay mechanics are pretty much perfect. Throw in the odd QTE because why not? Because people expect those now. And let's take the character and refine some things. Let's take the backstory and refine some things. And I think we're now pretty much at a point where, yeah, all right, people on, like I, I've chatted with some of the folks on, on Twitter about their, their ideas of where, Tomb Raider should go next. And I honestly think that the current Lara Croft is pretty much a perfect Lara Croft as a as a media character. Right? Yeah. As someone who needs to be kind of believable in an unbelievable situation. Hmm. I think you said earlier on me about um, Tomb Raider laying the sort of groundwork for titles like um, Uncharted. And I feel like it's unfair, but I feel like the Survivor trilogy gets compared to Uncharted so much just because Uncharted came after the first set of games and it used all of those tropes yeah. and enhanced them. And then the Tomb Raider Survival Trilogy's come along and enhanced them some more. For sure. I think if you look back at like the history of it, you get like the the original games on the PS1 and other ones, and then you get the, the first reboot. If you take all that into consideration, that's that's the mechanics of the game and the backstory. The Survival Trilogy and the ones going on was basically right. We know who she is, we know what she does, we know her backstory. Let's just start creating stories and situations where we can stick her into. We don't need to concentrate too much on how she grew up and how she started doing these things. It's right, all the all the groundwork's been laid. Let's just continue. Let's get some really good stories, some really good script writers, and go for it. 
and you could really see it in the survival trilogy. You really can. There's you, you could stick if you've got a really good story. You could throw any of of, of that ill, you know, of, of that kind of story, and put Lara in it, and it it would. I'm convinced it just work as long as you don't boot her into space or you know send her back in time. You know, I reckon as long as she's looking for something, you know, whether she's looking for an ancient artifact to do with Atlantis, whether she's, you know, breaking into Area 51 in the bad desert, or she's trying to find a crystal dragon dagger, or found an artifact and unleashed an apocalyptic plague on the planet. It just works. All what do all of them have in common? You ask in you ask most gamers and say probably Lara Croft. You know. It just she's she's a character that you can just pop her into. You can just say, "Would it work in this storyline?" No, but it work in this one. Let's see where this one goes. So it's it's very sort of they've got a lot of freedom with that character to put them in put her in different situations if they so wanted to. That that is a possibility for like the writers and stuff. They could put them, put her in different situations, and most of it would work again as long as it's not too out there. <laughs> I think that fits with the because I haven't played them, but there's those top-down um, isometric titles. Uh, Temple of Osiris. Is, yeah, Temple of Osiris and uh, the Guardian, something of the Guardian. The, the Guardian of Guardians of Light. That's the one thing. Fun little games. Yeah, they are. They are very cool. They're um, they're definitely like a departure in terms of mechanically. Sort of like um, a side project type thing. Feels yeah, like again, again, it speaks to Lara as a character that she can be put into these other genres and stuff, and it still works. You know, mm. it still works fairly well. She's, uh, the, the, you've got your top-down cooperative play. You've got, I'd say, a bit more shooting because a bit more twin stick shooting sort of thing. But there's also puzzles and that. And yeah, you know, again, it speaks it speaks to her as a character that that so versatile um yeah. to, to work in that in that other setting as well as in, including the um the mobile game Lara Croft Go, you know, similar thing there as well. And then I know there's an upcoming um mobile Lara Croft game coming out soon. So yeah, again, it, it just uh, speaks to the versatility of the character. Okay, so we talked about the first game we played. We've talked about favourites in the in the in the series, right? I feel like Angel of Darkness is gonna come up with this question. And I want Squidge to take the driver's seat for this question and ask the first person who he thinks of out of the two of us, what's the worst Tomb Raider game then? We both know what game I'm gonna say, so you can't steal it. So B, for the second time, and uh, now I'm stealing stolen your thunder. What's the what's the the weaker? I'll say weaker, not worst. What's the weaker Tomb Raider game for you? See, I was gonna, I was going to say I I don't like the phrase worst because I don't I don't think any of them are necessarily even even Angel of Darkness. I don't think is that bad. It, it was trying something ambitious. It did not do very well. Fair, fair enough. Or it didn't do what it set out to do. But for what it was, you know, it was decent. Uh, it's a decent attempt at trying to to. Pull Lara up to a different from from the first five games and pull her into something different and something new for the at the time the new generation of the PlayStation Two. Um, in terms of uh, what I think that would be my least favorite, I guess Tomb Raider. Um, 
I don't, again, it's still pretty difficult. Part of me wants to say the Engage version just because it was the Engage, uh, <laughs> but that's like that's not really Toyota's fault as much as it was the hardware it was running on. It was it, it was it was an interesting take on trying to make a mobile phone and a game hybrid, but it didn't really work too well. And and the small screen, you couldn't really see what was going on. It was very difficult to to make out what was happening um, and 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 really get a grasp on on what was required from that again you know for, uh, the the ambition and the intent was certainly admirable um mm-hmm. but the hardware was not ready for it at the time really it was it was it was just a, a i guess a failed experiment but um, it was just unlucky and unfortunate timing i think more than anything it was it was no game boy advance version because i played the game boy advance version of tomb raider and that actually worked that was really I, I had good things about that one. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, the Engage version, I can completely understand because, uh, I mean, it's it's terrible when you've got a game ported to a platform. But you just, even when you hear about it, you just know in your gut it's not going to work. Don't get me wrong, it was very impressive for the time. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it was a really good attempt. It definitely hasn't aged well. Um, <laughs> no. I mean, not that it's possible to really get the hardware to play it on these days, but when if you look at it on you watch the footage on YouTube and that it's uh, it's not aged well at all. But you know, like I say, it's for the time, fair enough attempt, but definitely want one that I don't think anyone will miss. If you know what I mean, it's, you know, it's it's, it's more like um, can like approve the concept we can get it. On yeah, it doesn't work fantastic, but it's possible. It's just an interesting curio at this, this point mm. now. It's a good thing for a museum, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't stand up very well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Engage version of uh, Tomb Raider. So, yeah, what about you? Your, your weaker, least favourite title? Yeah, so this is the problem, right? I've only played a handful of them. I've definitely played all the ones on the PlayStation. And I have played uh, Angel of Darkness, which, spoiler alert, um, I'll just throw that out there. And um, anniversary, and I've played the arcade version of the uh, the reboot, which I believe is, is that one called Lara Croft Tomb Raider, or is that the first one? Is that the name of the first? I think just Tomb Raider Arcade, I think. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so yeah, I've played. I, I've only played a handful of them, and I have to say, and I feel like I'm going to steal Switch's Thunder, but it's Angel of Darkness, because for one reason or another, that game was clearly not finished before it shipped. Yeah, um, and I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to poo-poo or have a go at the developers for that because I know myself as a developer, although not in games, you have a set budget of time, and if it is not ready, it still gets shipped. Yeah, and on a format that does not allow you to not complete the development and then release a patch in the time it takes to press the game to disc and then send it out to stores. Uh, yeah, we're in an age where you can fix that, but. Yeah, Angel of Darkness came out before then, and yeah. I really, really, I feel for the developers having to ship something that was clearly not ready to be shipped, but mm. because of uh, market pressures and because of certain decisions that were made, they had to. And so I would have to say that was that one is my least favorite. I suppose, yeah, I feel I feel like I have to apologize for the way that I that I raised that question. Worst Tomb Raider game is still the best game in a series. You know, it's it's still a series of absolute bangers. For yeah. Of a better phrase, you know, they are each still brilliant games, but the one that I liked the least is definitely Angel of Darkness, just because of how buggy it was. Not because of the 
oh, do this action. Brilliant. My arms feel stronger. That sort of RPG element. That was totally fine. That made sense in the uh, in the universe, right? If you do lift the heavy thing, guess what happens? Your arms get stronger and you can lift heavier things. Totally get that. It made a lot of sense. But it was the, it was just because it wasn't, it was clearly not ready. Yeah. You know, stuff had to be cut out to get it to be ready, which meant that parts of things didn't make that much sense. And it all just sort of fell over, I think. And that's a real I think thing. The, the ambition definitely um, was, was it big, bigger eyes than the stomach sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, sort of, yeah, I, I can see that. It, the game, yeah, was clearly broken. It would crash a lot. And it's kind of like, you know, they've got an idea for a game. It's kind of an experiment. The experiment it had didn't quite work, but it was still a Tomb Raider game. You could still playable if you keep reloading saves and dodging the crashes. Okay, fair enough. And um, mine, I'm actually going to throw a curveball at you because I wasn't actually going to mention Angel of Darkness. Um, okay. I'm going to say the arcade light gun version of Tomb Raider, be- mainly because Tomb Raider is raiding tombs. It's not House of the Dead style, shoot people. Yeah, fair enough, in the game, you, you, you sort of protect people and you shoot artifacts because that, that's the thing, uh, to collect them. But it's it shouldn't be a light gun game. Uh, I played it. Me, me and B played it when we went to EGX in 2019. There was a place where we played it. It was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's 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 a light gun game. Tomb Raider is it's it's like saying, oh yeah, the next Tomb Raider game will make it a racing game. So here's my question to you, Squidge. Right, the the powers that be at the company where you work have decided we need to make an arcade version of our biggest hit, Tomb Raider. Go. I honestly don't think you can. Well, I mean, you've been tasked with doing it, so you have to do it. I don't and think that, you can. What, and I, th- I think that's why Tomb Raider arcade game became mm. the on-the-rail shooter, because it's the only one that seems to fit. She has guns and shoots. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry to say it, but I feel like that fits. You know, there's, there's, if you are told you have to do it, you've got to come up with an idea. That's, you know, I totally see what you mean. Yes, shooting artifacts to pick them up, but then again, House of the Dead shooting health to pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> you know but still, it just it just it doesn't feel like it gels well. Oh, that's no, totally. I, I mm. totally agree. Do, yeah, doesn't feel like a Tomb Raider, but at the same time, yeah, I can see that that's that's what you have to, for for an arcade game. That's what they have to do. You know, there's not really too many ways you can make a, a like an arcade game. That works with the requirements of an arcade, which is to want people to put money into it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Essentially, what I'm getting at is, when I hear Tomb Raider, I think narrative, story, puzzle solving. I don't think like a game, but that's just personal preference. Some people no, no, yeah. really dig the arcade game. It's, it's I just sort of agree. Yeah, there was a de- there was a definite um, leaning towards shooting in the most mm. recent games, and there's. That's plenty fine. It did fine for what it was. So that's that's um, more linked with survival, though, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think I think I mean I don't know what's planned for the future of the series, other than the recent um, announcement that they were lining the t- the game, the timelines together, and hopefully making a new one. But like they haven't, there's, yeah. there, there's no time frame or anything on the next game, whether it will be coming. But um, yeah, it's I, I'm hoping that there's a way for. Less outright shooting and 
slightly more focus again back on the tombs and the yeah. exploration side of things more than the uh, more than shooting and and as much as I t- totally understand why they have to go in that direction uh, or why they would have had to go in that direction at the time. Um, yeah, I, I'd like that exploration bit to come back a little bit more uh, in the future. I think. Hmm. Okay, so uh, so Gia, your sort of final thoughts on it? Uh, well, final thoughts on Tomb Raider as a series, or oh, just final thoughts on Tomb Raider as a whole. Well, okay. Um, what I'll say to you is I'll echo something that B just said there. Is like, like my hope. Ah, there you go. Right, that's what we talk about. The hope for the future, or just just final thoughts, whatever. But my my hope for the future of, of the Tomb Raider series is is just what B said. Then is yeah, okay. Keep the the combaty stuff because you still need to make it actiony. But what what to me made the first Tomb Raider game and anniversary great was. Here's this gigantic area. Go and run and jump and tumble your way through it and find the secret thing, right? That's what I love about the Tomb Raider games. It's what I love about the um, the uh, Uncharted games. It's the same formula. You just swap a character around. Admittedly, there's more banter between the main characters in um, Uncharted, but it's the same sort of idea. Here's, here's a bunch of weapons. Here's a massive tomb to go and explore. Uh, go out, go find what you can find, right? And I think that there's something, there's something really uh, interesting and quite primal about that. There is some treasure here somewhere. Go and find it, and yeah. that's what I want. I want more. Go find the treasure. Less um, attack the trigger button on your controller as much as you can to do the shooty bang bang, right? And and that's what I'm hoping for. And that's that's my final thoughts. If you if you really like. Those kinds of games, if you're really into Uncharted, definitely give the uh, the reboot trilogy, the Crystal Dynamics trilogy, a, a shot, and definitely check out the um, the Survivor trilogy. And if you really like those, go back to the original and try and play them, because because they are they are great. Skip uh, Angels of Darkness, unfortunately. <laughs> sure this, uh, you know, like I say, I'm not trying to ever go at the developers for it. I completely understand and appreciate and empathise with where they were at at that time. But it just it just wasn't finished, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, I would say definitely give them a shot because they are they're narrative driven, slow burn action platformers. So that's what I would say. Mm. I'm gonna try and wrap this up. So bear with me. But I'm oh, gonna try and wrap okay. this. Okay. Switch's first attempt at wrapping up people. <laughs> but bearing with is being but bird burn? Burn. Burn. This is my bearing with song. If you hadn't already done an intro, that'd be the intro. Final thoughts on Tomb Raider. It's it yeah, it's it's definitely a, a massive it's it's a massive part of gaming history. Tomb Raider has endured as long as Resident Evil has and a few other games that you can think of, even stuff like Crash Bandicoot, you know, and games of that ilk. You know, it's it has endured. It is popular. If you say to someone Lara Croft, chances are they'll know who you're talking about. Um, so it has endured. It's got so much gravitas behind it for Lara Croft as a character in the game series itself. It's got. Um, it's very endearing. It's gone through a lot of changes, two reboots, and it's still going strong. Um, I really hope for the future, moving forward, that the the, the story writing stays the same, just as strong as ever. Get her into more strange and peculiar predicaments just to see how 
innovative and creative Lara can be to try and get out of them and just survive, let alone find the treasure. I really hope that happens. And there's a good set of writers to do that. And with, you know, with the technology available for different formats, there is, there's still, I think there's still room for things to be uh, like risks to try, experiments to have, different gameplay elements. You know, there is room for that. To have a bit of a gamble, a bit of a test, you know, see what's happening, um, and I think that's that's the best thing for it because if it's in a Lara Croft game and it doesn't quite work, I think people will be more forgiving um, because the, all sorts of stuff have been tried and tested in Lara Croft games. A lot of them stuck, some of them haven't, you know. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's very positive going forward, and it's one of those games that I think will endure for a long time yet, um, which is. Which is always good because we, we we love a bit of Tomb Raider, a bit of Lara Croft. Um, so um, that's that's my final thoughts. So B, moving forward, um, wrapping up this this little uh, shindig of uh, an episode. Uh, where can people find you on socials and stuff? Where can they come and poke you at? So you can find me um, exploring tombs. It's sort of thing. Exploring the internet tomb thing of the. the I'm gonna start it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, you can find me at various places on the internet, but mainly uh, is the best place is probably my Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash the b t h e underscore b. That's where I am in terms of my social medias and presence. So you can go on videogamer.com and find some news from me because that's where I write, write, write and do some word stuff on latest happenings in video games news. So make sure you check that out as well. Awesome. So when you're not uh, when you're not stuck in the caves around Brighton, you're exploring the internet caves. Fair enough. Sounds good. Sounds like a good laugh to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you've just spent your time listening to uh, Waffling Taylors with the B talking about Tomb Raider and 25th anniversary. Um, all show notes, links, and points of interest will be in the description, which Gio will lovingly write, lovingly write at probably two o'clock in the morning, trying to get it finished. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so there's that. There's obviously wafflingtailors.rocks. We have we are obviously a podcast. We stream when we get back to it. There's a Facebook page. There's Twitter. It's Waffling Tailors. Um, DMs are open. If you want to chat to us? You want to be on the pod? Just let us know. We'll we'll sort that out. Um, so all that's left to say is thank you, Jay, for uh, joining me. Thank you, B, for crawling out of the cave to talk to us about Tomb Raider. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for hosting this from the cave in Bristol Squidge. Oh, watch out. There's a big bear behind you. No, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so you've wasted your time listening to Waffling Taylor's Waffle On for well over an hour. Hopefully we'll come back and listen to the rest of them. We shall all catch you guys later. Boy. Boy, boy. Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. 
Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Degay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.